Hey everybody, it is Monday, November 7th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. This is the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news. I try to read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. We have a big week ahead that could determine the next two years and frankly beyond with the big midterm elections tomorrow. Jill will be back on the podcast starting Wednesday and the rest of the week to help me break down the results. Make sure to also follow my Instagram feed at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H for continuing coverage. Okay, here are a few of the headlines we'll be looking at on today's podcast. Of course, I will start with all things midterm elections, the latest polls, uh, key races, etc. And if you think you will get a break from all things politics, it turns out that we're already getting intel on when presidential candidates will be announcing, including when former President Trump may be announcing that he is running for president again. After laying off 50% of the company on Friday, it looks like Twitter saying oops and is calling some of the employees they fired to come back to work. I'll also tell you about one huge international company that is seeing success with a four-day work week. And you'll have another shot to get rich tonight as the Powerball jackpot approaches $2 billion. But let's start with all things politics. Today is the final day of campaigning for local, state, and federal politicians as Americans get set to vote tomorrow in the key midterm elections. Everybody was out over the weekend. I counted at least four presidents out on the campaign trail. Presidents Biden, Obama, Trump, and Clinton were out over the weekend. Uh, three of them, Biden, Obama, and Trump, were in the key battleground state of Pennsylvania on Saturday, all warning supporters that the other side poses a threat to the country and democracy. Biden and Obama joined Democratic Senate nominee John Fetterman, as well as gubernatorial nominee Josh Shapiro, for an evening rally in Philadelphia on Saturday night. Biden told supporters that, quote, your right to choose is on the ballot, your right to vote is on the ballot, Social Security and Medicare is on the ballot, and there's something else on the ballot, character. At that rally Saturday night, Obama echoed Biden's portrayal of the high stakes in this week's election, noting that democracy is on the ballot. Interestingly, Obama did say that Democrats may not be perfect, I'm the first one to admit it, but right now, at this moment, with a few notable exceptions, most Republican politicians aren't even pretending the rules apply to them anymore. They're not pretending the facts apply anymore. They're just making stuff up. So that was Obama and Biden in Philly, really trying to get Fetterman across the finish line against Dr. Oz in that key Senate race that could dictate the future of the U.S. Senate, as well as the gubernatorial candidate, Josh Shapiro, uh, to help lead that state. Over in southwestern Pennsylvania, Donald Trump was with Dr. Oz, who's running for Senate, and Doug Mastriano, who's running for governors. Trump, for his part, said Democrats are destroying the state, the economy, uh, failing the nation on gas prices, on the economy, on immigration, a whole variety of things. Really spent nearly two hours uh, addressing all of his personal grievances, as well as his issue with Democrats. According to NBC News, Trump was actually considering announcing his run for president uh, at that rally on Saturday. Uh, his aides convinced him not to make that announcement and really just focus on these state races and try to get uh, key Republicans across the finish line through Tuesday. And then he can start to look at his own ambitions. But it's not just Pennsylvania voting. Uh, voting will be happening in all 50 states. Right now, early voting turnout appears to be stronger than previous midterms. More than 40 million Americans have already voted as of numbers on Sunday. Americans have cast more ballots ahead of Election Day than they did during early voting before the last midterms in 2018, though we have seen a whole number of states since then, especially during COVID, 
open up early voting and mail-in voting. So this is to be expected. One more former president was out on the campaign trail over the weekend as well. That was Bill Clinton, who was out over the weekend in New York, stumping for Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul. She faces a very close race in what is typically a very blue state in New York. There hasn't been a Republican governor for nearly 20 years. She's facing off against Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin. Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris were also out for Hochul. A crime and inflation are playing big in the race. And Democratic strategists say they could see some losses in blue states like New York and Connecticut due to those issues. Biden, by the way, for his part, also made a late trip to New York to campaign for Hochul on Sunday. The latest polling across the board, whether it's Democratic polls, Republican polls, media polls, show Republicans with the advantage right now going into tomorrow. They are likely to pick up at least the five seats they need to take the majority in the House. The Politics 538, which puts together all these numbers, says there still is a one in five chance Democrats could keep the House. By the way, notably, that was the same chance they gave Trump to win the election in 2016. So just something to keep in mind. There are about 50 House races that uh, the experts are watching right now that are competitive out of the 435 congressional races out there. Most of them have been gerrymandered, so are very blue or very red. There's about 50 races that are sort of in the lean or toss up category. Right now, the majority of those several dozen races are Democratic seats that are on the defense. Right now, Democrats would need to win four out of five toss-ups to hold the House majority. Then there is the Senate, where 35 out of the 100 seats are up for election this cycle. Currently, the Senate is a 50-50 Democratic-Republican tie. Republicans are feeling pretty good about uh, picking up enough seats for them to gain a majority. There are about seven or eight seats we are watching. New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Ohio, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, and North Carolina. Again, just to repeat there, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Ohio, Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia and North Carolina. Uh, Some are also watching Colorado, which could be interesting. If Republicans have a very big night, they could somehow pick up Colorado. Most of those vulnerable seats I listed, by the way, are held by Democrats, hence the uh, advantage Republican right now. Democrats are particularly on a defense. And historically speaking, typically the incumbent president loses seats uh, in their first midterms. Bill Clinton did. Uh, Barack Obama did. Donald Trump did. Uh, The only uh, recent president who was able to avoid that was George W. Bush back in 2002, coming off 9-11, high approval, pre-war in Iraq. And so he was able to actually gain seats in a midterm. But historically speaking, most presidents have lost seats. So hence the uh, concern among Democrats right now, in addition to the issues they're facing in regards to economy, inflation, etc. And we actually got one of the final polls out in the field on Sunday. This comes to us from NBC News that goes into why people are voting the way they are. It's similar to the results of other polls we've seen in the last couple of weeks. The overall political environment, according to the NBC poll, remains grim for Democrats. Only 44% of voters overall approve of Biden's performance. He, of course, has the majority of Democrats, but the majority of Independents and Republicans disapprove of him right now. More than 70% of voters overall think the country is headed in the wrong direction. And a combined 81% of Americans, four out of five, say they're very or somewhat dissatisfied with the U.S. economy. This was also an interesting number. 47% of all voters say they want a, quote, great deal of change in the direction from the way Biden has been leading. So that 47% who want a great deal of change, that compares to 44% who were asked that question in 2018, who want a change from Trump, 41%. 2010, Obama, and 36%, Bill Clinton, 1994, even with those lower numbers, those led to midterm election drubbings for Trump, 
Obama and Clinton there. So the fact that Biden is at 47% of voters who want a great deal of change does not portend well. Now, there is one good number for Democrats in the poll. It shows that Democrats have pulled even with Republicans in voter enthusiasm, as in voters who are enthusiastic about voting that typically translates to voter turnout. So that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, especially as we look at these polls, and the polls have been off in recent cycles, 2016 and 2020 lean too far blue, 2018 lean too far red. So will there be a polling error here is a big question. Either way, the only way to make your voice heard is to get out there and vote. And so uh, regardless of how you feel about any of these issues, the parties, etc., make sure to uh, make your opinion heard in this democracy tomorrow. Once we get those results this week, and by the way, we might not get results in some of those states till later in the week, Pennsylvania and Arizona are notoriously slow at vote counting. Don't think you will get much relief from the next election. It appears that former President Trump may announce his presidential campaign as soon as next Monday, according to multiple reports. According to one report by Jonathan Swan at Axios, who has incredible sources, the inner circle around Trump is discussing a launch next Monday, November 14th, with the official announcement possibly followed by a multi-day series of events. Trump and his top advisors have been signaling to the media, multiple reporters for weeks, that his announcement is imminent. He's been teasing it on the campaign trail, uh, even saying over the weekend in Iowa that he is very, 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 very probably going to uh, run for president again. NBC actually reports, as I noted, that he was actually itching to announce it over the weekend, but aides said it would distract from Republicans on the ballot. He may still choose to do it at a rally or via social media. It is Trump after all, uh, so he may do it before next Monday, but November 14th is the latest date they were discussing. Uh, one of his goals is to work off the momentum Tuesday that he anticipates Republican wins they can take advantage of. He also is hoping to announce as soon as possible to make it more difficult for the federal investigations into him over the Justice Department to potentially charge him in that classified document case and the January 6th case. The Justice Department tries to stay out of politics, particularly those running for federal office. So this may then force them to call in a special counsel, like what happened with Bob Mueller uh, during the previous presidency or Ken Starr during the Clinton administration, uh, and have the special counsel continue the investigation. That would take Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, who was course, nominated and appointed by Joe Biden out of the uh, situation. It makes for a very awkward situation for a Justice Department run by President Biden, who's likely facing off against Trump, to be actively investigating and potentially charging Trump. So that'll be something else for us to watch. The Trump news comes as he was already out swinging at one of his anticipated rivals over the weekend. During that rally in Pennsylvania over the weekend, Trump referred to Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, as Ron DeSanctimonious. Uh, you might recall Trump likes to uh, give nicknames to his opponents, call uh, Marco Rubio, Little Marco, Hillary Clinton, Crooked Hillary, Ted Cruz, Lion Ted Cruz, Jeb Bush, Low Energy Jeb, etc., etc. He loves to have nicknames. And so already he's taking aim at a fellow Republican who, by the way, is on the ballot on Tuesday. Floridians will be voting whether to determine to give DeSantis a uh, second term as governor. But DeSantis has been uh, rallying his team to potentially run for president in 2024. Uh, Trump has privately, not so privately at this point, been very critical of DeSantis, saying he's unappreciative, saying he's getting in the way. So it was interesting to see that Trump was already criticizing him at a Republican event uh, over the weekend. Mike Pompeo, who served as Trump's Secretary of State as well as CIA Director, and is also looking at his own presidential bid in 2024 as a Republican, actually took to Twitter to defend DeSantis over the weekend. So you're starting to see this 2024 politics play out. The big question on the other side is when will President Biden decide to announce his run 
for re-election, or will he decide to run for re-election, especially if Tuesday does not go well for Democrats? So that might factor into a decision. Keep in mind, as we try to keep track of ages here, Biden would be 82 years old at the start of the next term. Trump, not that far behind, would be 78 years old on Inauguration Day 2025. Okay, now for the latest at Twitter, which laid off roughly half of its staff on Friday. Just over a week after richest man in the world, Elon Musk, uh, finished his $44 billion acquisition of the company, Twitter sent emails to about 50% of its employees, about 3,700 people, that they no longer had a job with the company. There has been some criticism of this, that effectively every employee was told to refresh their email all day on Friday and await word whether they got to keep their job or lose their job. It turns out, according to multiple reports, including the Wall Street Journal on Sunday, that some of the people who were told they were laid off were done so by mistake. Over the weekend, the company was already reaching out to dozens of employees who got the email saying they were fired to say, actually, we'd like you to return. That was a mistake. According to the Wall Street Journal, a number were let go before management realized that their work and experience were necessary to build some of the features that Musk actually wants. According to the Wall Street Journal, dozens, if not hundreds of employees were let go before management realized that their work and experience may be necessary to build some of the new features that Musk actually wants for the platform. Among the teams that were laid off uh, nearly in complete form were the trust and safety team, the content curation team, the human rights team, the machine learning ethics team, the communications team. All of those teams were gutted, if not completely eliminated. There were also a number of people on the product and engineering teams. Uh, but it's interesting because right now Musk wants to build a whole number of new features at the uh, company. So it's interesting to see that uh, they might have let go too many people, including people on the wrong teams. One notable thing we should be watching in that fallout is that at least one class action lawsuit has already been filed against Twitter on behalf of former employees who say they were not given enough adequate notice for their termination. States like California have laws in terms of giving notice to employees on termination. And so it'll be interesting to see the legal uh, fallout here for Musk and Twitter in terms of kind of how quickly they laid people off. All of that news comes as the founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, apologized via tweet how else over the weekend to all of his employees in a series of tweets. He wrote, quote, I realize many are angry with me. I own the responsibility for why everyone is in the situation. I grew the company too quickly. I apologize for that. I'm grateful for and love everyone who's ever worked on Twitter. I don't expect that feeling to be mutual in this moment or ever. And I understand. I should add that Dorsey came away with several hundred million dollars in that Musk acquisition. But it appears that Twitter employees will not be alone this week. The Wall Street Journal reported late last night that large-scale layoffs are expected to affect thousands of employees over at Meta, which is the parent company of Instagram and Facebook. This has been a tough time in the tech world, everyone. And so it appears Meta, as soon as Wednesday, will be announcing cutbacks at that company, not as significant as the 50% cuts at Twitter, but given that Meta has 87,000 employees, the number of uh, folks at Facebook, Instagram, and across Meta expected to lose their jobs could be larger than the 3,700 who lost their jobs at Twitter. Okay, I want to take a quick break here from the news. We have a lot more coming up, but I want to thank our sponsor this week, Athletic Greens. They are back as a sponsor this week. I started taking their AG1 supplement a couple months ago, and I'm very excited to share my experience with you. As many of you know, trying to get all your vitamins in can be hard to keep track of and can get pricey. I was actually previously taking various vitamins with breakfast, with lunch, with dinner. I've been taking the AG1 supplement for a couple months now, and I found nothing simpler. It's just one scoop in a glass of water in the morning, and that's it. It's simple and affordable. The AG1 powder contains 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. In addition, AG1 has pre and probiotics to support your gut health, 
All this combines to help you build a strong immune system, especially as we head into cold and flu season. It's really your nutritional insurance policy. And here's the extra good news. Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. So visit athleticgreens.com backslash Mo News to learn more about all that AG1 can do for your health. Take advantage of this special offer. You can actually get a discounted monthly subscription or try it just one time to see how you like it. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash Mo News, M-O-N-E-W-S to take advantage of this special deal. All right, as we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bull and Branch Bedding and Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at Mo News. We only endorse products that we love. And we've been using Bull and Branch for more than two years now in our home. The sheets have been great, soft, breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather. We noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house. I know Jill has as well. They're made with 100% organic cotton, completely free from toxins. I know that is very important to a number of you. And it's not just sheets. They have blankets, duvets, pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com promo code monews for 15% off exclusions do apply see site for details okay back to the news here there was an interesting analysis i found over in the financial times over the weekend on just how much money u.s oil producers have gotten from the war in ukraine the financial times found that u.s oil producers raked in more than 200 billion dollars in profits since russia invaded ukraine back in february that figure marks the sector's most profitable six months on record in history and puts it on course for an unprecedented year brent crude which is the international benchmark for oil averaged more than 105 dollars a barrel over the second and third quarters of this year. That's well above the average of $70 a barrel over the past five years. It actually hit a high back in March, if you recall, at $140 a barrel. So this has led to record profits for a number of these companies. So the 50 biggest producers will actually only be spending half of what they typically uh, have done historically on drilling. Uh, it's been a rough decade for them. And so uh, that was a notable thing I, I found on the piece. ExxonMobil actually had its most profitable quarter in more than 100 years. The chief executive, Darren Woods, was asked about this and whether he'd be returning some of that profit back to the American people. He said that the company's stock dividend should be considered its way of returning profits to the people. Uh, that is translation for you. If you own Exxon stock, you get a piece of it. If you don't, you will not. Staying with business news here for a second, uh, Unilever, the major international conglomerate, is experimenting with a four-day work week and is having some success. Unilever is extending its trial of a four-day work week to Australia after a successful 18-month pilot in New Zealand. That makes it the largest company yet to be uh, experimenting here in mass with a four-day work week. You might know Unilever by uh, the many dozens of brands that it owns, Dove, Degree, Ben & Jerry's, Hellman's, Nexus, Q-Tips. I could go on. The chief talent officer over at the uh, company said positive results from paying about 80 staff full salaries for four as opposed to five day weeks in New Zealand prompted the extension. 
Unilever is the largest company yet that is looking at a shorter work week to help staff become happier, healthier, and more productive in those four days. Unilever said that absenteeism had dropped by a third during its New Zealand trial and right now is looking to take that experiment and see if it continues in Australia. Staff involved in that experiment in New Zealand reported steep drops in stress, better work-life balance. Interestingly, Unilever does not expect the employees only working four days a week to work longer hours, and staff are allowed to choose which day or set of hours they take off during the week. This is notable since we all hate meetings. Part of the time savings came from cutting down on meetings. Meeting time was cut by typically three to three and a half hours per person per week. Staff in New Zealand also sent fewer emails. So no pressure here, Australia, but a lot of pressure because it turns out that if this experiment goes well in Australia, Unilever will then consider rolling out the four-day work week to nearly 150,000 employees globally, at least gradually rolling it out to more of them. So New Zealand, check. Australia, question mark, with nearly 150,000 others waiting. All right, we had some big sports news over the weekend as the Houston Astros won the World Series. The city of Houston will have a chance to celebrate today with a big parade downtown. The Astros defeated the Philadelphia Phillies late on Saturday night to claim the championship. They won the series in six games and were able to do it at home, which was a really amazing for all of the Astros fans. The Astros have developed into sort of a dynasty in recent years. They actually won their previous World Series in 2017 and also appeared in the World Series in 2019 and 2021, but lost those two appearances. So this year's win means they now have won two World Series in five years. This was also an opportunity for them to win clean. That 2017 victory was tainted by a major scandal. Major League Baseball found that the club illegally created a system that decoded and communicated the opposing team's pitching signs, actually by banging on a garbage can. So this was the huge scandal with the 2017 win. While the Astros got to keep the World Series trophy, the win has an asterisk mark on it. So this year was a chance for the Astros to win clean without that scandal of 2017, though there are a number of baseball fans out there. They're still not huge fans of the Astros, but that doesn't matter to the city of Houston. They will be celebrating today in that parade. It'll be about a three-mile-long parade that begins at about noon in downtown Houston. Also notable in the win over the weekend, it was the first World Series win for manager Dusty Baker. Houston is the fifth team he has coached, and at age 73, he is now the oldest manager to win the World Series. Beyond that, he's actually older than every head coach who's ever won a Super Bowl, an NBA championship, or a Stanley Cup. Baker has nearly 2,100 regular season wins during his time managing. He's ninth on the overall career list. Everyone above him uh, who had more wins had at least one championship, so now Baker is able to join that group. I have a personal affinity for Dusty as the former skipper of my hometown team, the Chicago Cubs. In the early 2000s, he was the manager, though he never got the Cubs to the World Series. We had to wait for a later manager to get us there. Okay, let's end here with your chance to get rich and become a billionaire. On Saturday for the 40th straight drawing, there was no Powerball winner. That now means the Powerball jackpot has grown to $1.9 billion as of Sunday night. It could actually reach $2 billion by 11 p.m. Eastern tonight, which is when the next drawing is. If you haven't bought a ticket yet for Monday night, you still have a chance up until 11 p.m. Eastern tonight. The odds of winning are 1 in 292 million, but hey, 
there's still a chance. It is the largest lottery prize in world history. The previous high was back in 2016. There was a Powerball jackpot of $1.58 billion. That actually uh, was split among three winning tickets in California, Florida, and Tennessee. If somehow you have the sole winning ticket tonight, folks, you have the choice of uh, 29 years of payments or a lump sum payment of $929 million. Again, your odds of winning are 1 in 292 million, but I'm wishing you all good luck. And as we go here and you prepare your sleep schedule for tonight, a heads up that there will be a rare lunar eclipse that'll take place in the early morning hours on Tuesday. We won't have one for another three years. So uh, major parts of North America, Asia, Australia, you should be able to see it. The moon will turn blood red. Events will begin just after 3 a.m. Eastern time, but totality when you see that blood red moon will take place between 5.17 a.m. Eastern time and 6.42 a.m. Eastern. So either get up super early or stay up super late. And I should note that NASA assures us a lunar eclipse can be viewed safely with the naked eye. It's not like a solar eclipse. If you want to take a photo, use a camera on a tripod, uh, keep your exposure to last a few seconds, according to NASA. I'll include a link here uh, with more details on how you can see that blood red moon if somehow you miss it late tonight early morning tomorrow the next one will not be until march of 2025 okay i want to thank everyone for listening to the mo news daily podcast please follow or subscribe to the show on whatever app you're listening to us on at this moment it'll ensure you don't miss a single episode again follow or subscribe to the show also leave us a review if you can in the app it helps us continue to grow the podcast you can also get your news fix into your email box with the mo news newsletter over at monews.bulletin.com to sign up for that and of course follow me for the latest and greatest over on instagram at moshe at m-o-s-h-e-h i'll see everyone back here tomorrow